4: This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here's the deal. Pretty entertaining game between the Warriors and the Lakers. Otherwise, not a lot of drama that has arisen so far from the play-in challenge in the NBA. Last night, the Pacers go on the road against the Wizards and just get absolutely shellacked. Never was a doubt or uncertainty. And so, as a result, the, the Wizards lock in the eight seed, and we obviously saw the Celtics lock in the seven seed. So, the play-in in the Eastern Conference has had absolutely zero impact. That is, if they had never had the play-in at all, we would have had the same eight teams in the same eight order. Same thing going on, I think, going to happen tonight with the Grizz going on the road against the Warriors. If the Warriors win, they will be the eight seed. The Lakers will be the seven seed exactly as they finished the regular season. If the Warriors lose then I think there's going to be a lot of people who look around and say, boy, this is a major negative because, I don't know about you, Dub, you watch the NBA a decent amount because you're a Spurs fan growing up in San Antonio. I'm way more likely, like a billion percent more likely, to watch the Utah Jazz play against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors than I am to watch the Utah Jazz play against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's no knock against the Grizzlies. It's just that I have spent a long time watching Steph Curry play and as enticing and entertaining as I find John Morant, there's nothing similar at all in terms of my enjoyment when it comes to that scenario. Does that make sense? Like, I care about Warriors against Jazz somewhat. I still think the Jazz would end up winning in five or six in that series because I don't think the Warriors have enough support for Steph Curry. I have zero interest zero interest in by and large in the Grizz because I think the Grizz have a zero percent chance of pulling off an upset over the Jazz does that make sense in terms of if the if the Warriors win tonight then we did get an entertaining Lakers Warriors game but other than that there's absolutely nothing that will have changed based on these play-in games
1: yeah I totally agree and just to your point If you made me buy a ticket to watch one guy play in the NBA, it's definitely Steph Curry. Like, it's not even – there's no hesitation whatsoever. He's number one on the list, and I'm not even sure who the second person is. If I'm going to an NBA game and I want to see one guy in particular, it's definitely Steph Curry.
3: So, if the Warriors win tonight, then the play-in series will have had zero impact. If they lose, then the uh, NBA will have traded – The Warriors in potentially a seven-game series for effectively a one-game playoff that didn't have any significance of its larger scale against the Lakers, which seems like a bad trade to me because there's way more interest in, again, the Jazz against the Warriors than there will be the Jazz against the Grizzlies. Having said all that, I, I just really don't think the Grizz have the horses to go on the road and beat the Warriors and a lot of people are going to say well the Warriors might be uh, tired they put a lot of energy and effort into beating the uh, Lakers and they weren't quite able to do it hey the Grizz had to do the same thing in order to get past the Spurs and unlike the Warriors who just have to take a short plane trip from LA back up to the Bay Area we have to have a major trip theoretically for the grizz going out to San Francisco to play in this uh final game later tonight. The big winner by the way so far is I think Russell Westbrook who on Thursday night had a lot at stake. If he had lost, he's never won a series since Kevin Durant left. Not that he would have somehow, you know, validated himself because I still think they're going to lose in whatever five games probably against uh, the the 76ers but at least he's getting this uh, Wizards team which is not particularly good into the postseason and he's going to be able to enjoy uh, being able to play in a full series and maybe he'll take over a game or two and, and win a couple of them he had I think the most at stake by far in the event that he had not played well Uh, there would have been a lot of uh, ridicule raining down upon him. Instead, they get the win. We'll see if the Wizards coming back healthy next year can have a more substantial impact going forward. Uh, By the way, uh, appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We've got a loaded hour and next hour coming for you. Shannon Spake is scheduled to join us. Uh, Always fun to have her swing by. NASCAR is going to be back to 100% capacity. We talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, with John Morosi, but I do think it's significant. Worth mentioning that we are going to have a 100% capacity stadium in Washington, D.C., which I don't think anybody anticipated was ever going to be happening uh, going forward. Uh, And Dub, right now... You and I are in an amazing spot. We talked about this during the second hour of the program yesterday. How about our boy Corey Connors, Canada's finest, leading the PGA right now uh, with a minus five on that opening Thursday. Pretty extraordinary for him to come out of nowhere. I know he's on the course right now, uh, but that's pretty awesome.
1: No doubt at all. He put on a ball-striking clinic yesterday, and I was loving every shot.
3: No, it was absolutely fantastic. He's getting ready uh, to take the course right now, uh, literally as uh, as we are speaking to get ready. Uh, what's the first tee off time? I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the the lineup right now. Well, there's some guys that are uh, that are already out there. Yeah, um,
1: first group just went off.
3: Yeah, so uh, that is going to be cool to follow. Uh, we'll talk about that. Hopefully, fingers crossed, one of us can get lucky. Your boy uh, Victor Hovland uh, also doing pretty well. I'm
1: in a good spot so far, so we shall see.
3: All right. Up next, it's Shannon Spake. We'll also continue to roll. This is OutKick. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate?
2: apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
3: joined now by shannon spake as we roll through the friday edition of the mail the mailbag good lord uh the friday edition of the radio program which is what i'm on right now i do have a friday edition of the mailbag that i'm thinking about right now trying to decide which uh answers uh which questions i'm going to be responding to oh my goodness have you been drinking been,
7: already this i morning? know i know drinking?
3: it's been it's been a really busy several weeks here. I don't. I barely know which way is up. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to Florida tomorrow, so uh, I'm going to be down in Florida for two weeks. So I can't wait to get down uh, to Florida and just be able to chill a little bit. A lot of people probably also starting to take some vacations with Memorial Day weekend coming up next weekend. Are you doing anything for Memorial Day?
7: Working. We have the Coca-Cola 600 that weekend, which is our biggest race. It's so cool. Listen, Uh, Nobody does, you know, the military appreciation and and those types of things like NASCAR, and especially on Memorial Day weekend. It's one of the biggest uh, days in in racing because you have the F1 race, and then you have the Indianapolis 500, and then you have the Coca-Cola 600. We do 600 miles of remembrance, which means every single car has a fallen soldier on their car, and and sort of they drive those 600 miles in remembrance for that soldier. It's such an incredible weekend. Uh, As you have, I I saw, reposted, uh, we're we're open uh 100
3: right like everything with nascar is back to it no masks like it'll be a hundred percent normal venue if you are a nascar fan going to that coca-cola 600
7: Come on. It's open. Let's do it. Let's race. It's, it's going to be a great weekend, but it's a long, long, long day. We'll be here probably till about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, so Monday might be a little bit uh, – I might be just sitting by the pool um, drinking that Kahlua that, that you've already had this morning. i got a question for you. So you're down on the Gulf Coast, and I had a girlfriend who just did an Ironman uh, 70.3 on the Gulf Coast this weekend, and she saw a shark. Oh, while yeah. she was swimming, have you seen sharks out there? I've the never,
3: uh, I've never seen a shark. So I, um, well, let me take a step back. When I lived, it, so I used to live in the Caribbean. I don't know if you, if you knew that. I don't know if we talked about it. So when I graduated yeah, from law told school, told me about
7: the what were in the what were in the trees. The, the oh, the, bats the, the, in the
3: oh, the, yeah, they have uh, tr- basically tree rats. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is like just an absolutely terrifying animal. I mean, these are yeah. rats effectively that live in trees. They're not squirrels. Right they're like tree rats and uh, yeah. and we came back once to our place and there was one of them that had chewed through the screened in uh, porch uh yep. sorry screened in the window there uh and I mean it wanted to fight like it straight boat up it didn't like it didn't turn and run like when you know like a lot of animals do when you kind of walk in the front door it was like hey you ready to go and my this wife my just my house
7: now clay yeah yeah
3: my wife just shrieked and ran straight straight into the bedroom and shut the door and then I had to figure out how to get the tree rat out. Out of the house, which is one of the most terrifying moments in my life. Um, so, uh, so. I went deep sea fishing in the uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands where uh, where I went to practice law as soon as I graduated. We lived on St. Thomas and we were way out. I'm not a big boat guy, even though I lived uh, on the Caribbean and, you know, like uh, went around and, you know, I'm I'm fine when you can see land from the boat. I should say Uh I'm not Uh like I want to be out in the water where there's no land that I can see. That's not really my (laughs) thing. I'm, I'm a land person. If you tell me I'm going on a boat from one land that I can see to another land. And that I can see I'm fine with that. But I, I'm not a real big boat guy. Like we took the kids on the Disney cruise, which was mm. the kids loved, but I felt super claustrophobic. Like if you told me that I could have left the Disney cruise on a helicopter at any point, <laughs> I would have gotten on the helicopter and left. Um, because, and, and the worst part was on that cruise, we were supposed to stop like three places, I think. Uh, and I, I can't even remember. I think Cozumel, uh, well, I do remember Grand Cayman. We did
7: that Grand Cayman. Yep. We did the That yeah, was one. great.
3: Yeah. That was super mm-hmm. cool. Uh, you know, we and got Jamaica, to go, right? I think it
7: was Jamaica, right? And then we were supposed to
3: go to Jamaica, but the, mm-hmm. the seas were too rough. And so mm-hmm. they couldn't berth the boat in Jamaica. And so they mm-hmm. came on early that morning. And first of all, the boat was really moving, right? Like, uh, it was, it was really rocking. And, uh, and they said, uh, Hey, um, you guys were not going to be able to to birth so it's going to be a couple of more days at sea and i mean i i wish you could have seen my face i mean i felt like my heart just broke right then and there because i am not i'm not, a, I'm not an, i could i would not have been a very good uh, very good sailor back in the day i'm not an, i'm not a boat guy so the reason why i say i'm not a boat guy uh is i was fine in the virgin islands like in general Uh, being on the island. Some people get, you know, they call it rock fever. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. island fever, whatever you're going to say, because the island was only like 14 miles long and only like three miles wide. I had never felt any major issue with being on the Mm -hmm. island and wanting to go somewhere else. Like there's enough different things to do on the island or going to another island or whatever. I I never had rock fever. Like some people get no Uh issues there. But when we lived in in the Caribbean, it was it was just kind of a crazy vibe in general as to how everything was set up and uh, and and there were uh, like I said the tree uh, the tree rats and everything else but I went out and went deep sea fishing and so one of one of the guys that I was down there with like he had always wanted to go out deep sea fishing we got out there and we were both the boat wasn't very big. I mean, you know, I I don't know how bad I'm not a boat guy, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a big boat and the seas were rough that day, my friend. And he started throwing up like crazy and the boat mm -hmm. captain's like, yeah, there's nothing you can do. You know, like you just got to throw up while you can. And I wasn't that happy with it either. So we were deep sea fishing though, and we caught a barracuda, which is a pretty big fish for people out there who may not have ever seen a barracuda. And as we were reeling it in, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It was like something out of a nature documentary a huge shark oh. comes up and eats the barracuda. Oh. Like, so then the shark had bought our, had bitten our hook. And so oh I reeled in probably like a five or six foot shark and, uh, and we got it up in the boat. And I mean, this thing was, I mean, it's a big shark, like kind of spinning around, like trying to bite at you. And like, I mean, it's the only time I've ever seen a shark And so, uh, and so we ate it, right? We killed it and then we had the shark. And, uh, and, and the captain was like, Yeah, (laughs) the captain was like, you know, most people don't catch a shark. And it's even crazier. Like you could see, it was like something out of a nature documentary. You could see the barracuda caught and the shark came up and, like, it's Finn, you know, like in a movie or something, was chasing on the barracuda. And then he bought the bit, the grabbed the barracuda and he had eaten the hook. Right. Because he had eaten the That's I mean, he, he just ate the entirety of the barracuda, including the hook that we had caught the barracuda with. Uh, and so then we wheeled, the, you know, reeled in this monster shark and uh, and we ended up uh, eating it. And It was really good. That shark. So That's like the only the I've never seen a fish story. Yeah. It's
7: like the literal, like the fish starts as a barracuda and it ends up as a shark.
3: Yeah, like that's the right. Uh, yeah, the is. bigger, yeah. the little fish gets eaten yeah. by the bigger fish. And that's pretty yeah. much the, I mean, I guess we could have caught a whale too. But other than that, like, uh, so <laughs> I have never seen a okay. shark in the, uh, in the gulf. Now I have seen like photos of sharks, right? Because the water's so clear. And did I ever tell you, I've got, I've got two shark stories. Did I ever tell you the humiliating seventh grade shark story that, that happened to me?
1: No, I can't wait.
3: You're going to love this. Dub, you've heard this story, right?
1: (laughs) I'm not sure I have.
3: All right, so in seventh grade, seventh grade, I was, you know, 13 years old, whatever you are in seventh grade. It was the summer after my seventh grade, I should say. So right when you're just starting to be aware of girls in kind of a significant Uh way, I went on a church youth trip with the First Baptist Church uh, in, in Nashville. We went to Panama City Beach. And if you remember anybody out there who's listening right now, if you've ever been on one of these church youth groups, you know, you all pile into a bunch of vans and you drive down and you stay in like basically a barracks on the beach. And for Uh people who've been to Panama City Beach, there are a lot of really old hotels still, you know, places that like your grandparents could have stayed. Uh, And this was one of those places like you walk in. And there's probably 20 bunk beds in one room right i'm, I'm sure i'm assuming they just have church youth groups that they roll through all summer long and you do like a mission trip uh, of some sort i don't remember exactly what we did but clearly we uh we made the world a better place i'm sure in an uh, unbelievable fashion you have a lot of bible study and uh and you get to go to the beach and there's like fun things that you do in panama city beach which if you haven't been is i mean literally the redneck riviera like putt-putt you know like uh <laughs> go-karts yeah, i mean me who basically was and i know you kind of grew up in this redneck uh, universe and you're still doing nascar <laughs> like it's basically it's, it's basically <laughs> yeah. it's basically like redneck heaven right um and so yes yes yeah. all this like if you've ever been like, if you've ever been to, because people are all 50 states, I don't I don't know the exact equivalent in every state. But if you've ever been to, like, uh, Gatlinburg, right? Like, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and, like, all these different places where rednecks go. And, and I feel comfortable saying, having grown up uh, very much as the redneck community, yeah. I feel very comfortable being like, hey, this is what the kind of thing we would do. So, I'm down there. Um, and I remember two, a couple of things, a bunch of things about this trip. One, do you remember Spuds McKenzie?
1: Yes, absolutely.
3: So for people out there who don't remember, Spuds, Dub, have you ever heard of Spuds McKenzie?
1: I can't say that I have.
3: Yeah, you're too young. So if you're around 40-ish, probably I would say maybe 35 to like up, 35 and up probably, you would remember Bud Light had a wildly successful beer campaign that was predicated on Spuds McKenzie that was like this party dog and everybody loves spuds mckenzie and obviously he had a lot of appeal for children too which is maybe
7: yeah, one like reason. selling beer yeah yeah
3: that's what i'm saying <laughs> maybe one reason why spuds mckenzie was uh, was taken out of the uh, rotation from an advertising perspective uh but i had a spuds mckenzie t-shirt uh, that I had gotten, I think in Gatlinburg, no uh, great surprise there. (laughs) And, uh, and, and I was wearing it. And I remember the youth group director for my church came up and he said, you can't wear that shirt. It's inappropriate to be at a, you know, children's. And I never really thought about it. Right. I wasn't thinking of Spuds McKenzie, like advertising beer. I was like, this dog is awesome. Like I'm wearing my seventh grade Spuds McKenzie shirt. Um, and, uh, interestingly enough and unfortunately enough later came out that uh, that the youth group director uh, was actually gay the guy who told me that my shirt was inappropriate uh, and ended up dying of AIDS like that's one of those uh, one of those unfortunate like Southern church stories that probably a lot of people have. From back in the day but he was he was uh is my shirt was inappropriate so he was in charge of the uh he was in charge of the church youth group trip so i am on a jet ski never been on a jet ski before in my life again seventh grade redneck uh out on the jet ski and there's like an 18 year old uh who's a, a college freshman but you know when you're like 12 An 18 or 19-year-old, they seem like they they might as well be Superman to you, right? Like, the difference between a 12-year-old and an 18 or 19-year-old, you look up at, like, an 18 or 19-year-old, like, they are just the most amazing people you've ever seen. And this was old-school jet ski. Because now, like, I've been on the jet skis with two and three seats, and, like, I've taken my kids out. Yeah, it's hard to flip them. And if you do flip them, like it's super easy to get back up on. But for those of you who remember like 1980s era jet skis, you would have to work really hard if you fell off and there were multiple people trying to ride to get back up. So we were, you know, he was out jumping waves and twisting around and we flipped the jet ski, right? So we're both in the water and this, uh, you know, like beach bum dude comes rolling, roaring up on his jet ski. Uh, By the way, those guys peak at young ages, right? Like the guy who works as a lifeguard at the jet ski, he gets every girl from like (laughs) 17 (laughs) to 24 and then his life is just done for, right? Like, I mean, that's seven years. Do you remember that? You remember that? Like, the baddest ass guy was the guy who was like the lifeguard on the jet ski. Like, you know, 17 to 24, there's nobody having better luck and success with girls than the jet ski guy. Like, saving people's lives. That's
7: my boyfriend, my Boyfriend yeah. in high school. Now you just you just described every single boyfriend in high school.
3: <laughs> there you go. And you girls are all fighting for him. You're like, oh, you know, he's got the jet ski, like I, you know, and you know. and so uh, that would be a, by the way, a good like Netflix uh, funny story, like Stranger Things style to go tell uh, oh, the jet totally. ski guy's story back in the day in the '80s and the early '90s. And so uh, he comes up, and you know they have these uh, they have these helicopters that fly over the length of the beach. All the time in the Gulf because it's it's clear enough water that they will watch. To your point, you got me thinking on this. They will watch for sharks and then they will radio down to the uh, to lifeguards and be like, "Hey, you know, there's there's sharks in the area. Maybe encourage people to get back in." And you know, they get the kids on the jet ski actually to sometimes try to scare the sharks back out to deeper water. I mean, that that's honestly kind of what they do. Uh, so maybe these guys are heroes and deserve all the girls that they get. So this this you know, seventeen year old comes roaring up on his red jet ski you know the lifeguard jet ski and he's like you guys got to get out of here there's two big tiger sharks in the area and we're in the water you know like treading water it's deep you know compared to like the beach and i'm just thinking to myself you know i've seen jaws i'm like oh my god like i'm going to die tiger sharks like everybody focuses on the great white and there aren't really great whites Mm -hmm. in the gulf the tiger shark would be the most dangerous shark probably in terms of its you know violent nature that you could probably interact with in the gulf coast and so the college kid like we're trying to both get back up on the jet ski and we keep falling off and probably like you know I'm like a shrimp you know appetizer just dangling there bobbing for the big tiger sharks and so the college guy brave gallant college guy that he is is like hey i'll get back up on the jet ski and i'll drag you back to shore right to the shallow waters so at this point the fact that so you're there are like the sharks at
7: this yeah point. oh
3: yeah i'm the barracuda i am clearly the dangling uh yeah, appetizer here for the the by this point the beach has become aware that there are tiger sharks in the vicinity and you know it's whatever it is 1992 not that it would be that different in 2021 but 1992, there's sharks in the water. The entire church youth group has fled, right? There's nobody now in the water anywhere. And we are out beside the 17-year-old lifeguard, and I got the college kid. And they decide that's a brilliant plan that will entice the sharks by dangling me. Uh, you know, as we And probably there's some people right now, well, like, man, that shark could have really saved a lot of trouble uh, in sports yeah. media if they'd just taken care of business back in the day, those tiger sharks. Um, and, uh, and so I hang on to the back. You know, I'm 12, 13 years old, whatever I am, and there's a when you if you ever thought about hanging on to the back of a jet ski. First of all, it's hard to do. Secondly, there's a tremendous amount of exhaust and like uh, the the water like right. coming right back in your face. Like think about the the back of a jet ski, right? So I'm hanging there, and we start You're hitting to the drown
7: waves. And then die, get eaten by the the shark.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to either drown to death or I'm going to get eaten by a shark. Neither one of those is good. But then something even worse to a 12 or 13 year old boy happens. As we are hitting the waves and the exhaust is coming back and the water is roaring back, my swimsuit comes yep. off. Right? Like I you know whatever the the the, the big uh, back in the day, uh, I can't even remember the brand. I can see it like it had that like do you remember the the like Panama Jack guy? What were those yeah. things called? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, like,
7: like board shorts, right? They yeah, board they were they were shorts?
3: like kind of board shorts, but they they still had the netting. But there used to be that logo, and I can't remember what everybody had them. Like Panama Ocean Jack.
7: Ocean Pacific,
6: or, maybe. O, OP,
3: yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Ocean Pacific were like wildly popular. So I had my Ocean yeah. Pacifics on, and as we're hitting the waves, and as I'm theoretically, you know, enticing the sharks, my pants come off. My my Ocean oh, Pacific not? bathing suit comes off. I managed to catch it with my right ankle, like which is now like awkwardly hanging on to my my bathing suit. But as we are hitting the waves, I am mooning the entire Panama City beach. Like there are hundreds of people lined up on the beach, including the entire church youth group. Every 12, 13, and 14-year-old girl you can possibly imagine oh in all of basically the South is is right there in my mind, you know, like arrayed on the beach, like looking out to see whether or not I'm going to get killed by a shark as I am mooning them as I come across the entirety of the beach. So he he gets me into shallow water, uh, and then I'm standing there trying to pull my pants on. Every, I mean, I'm not kidding. I think the entire like, – there's not a single person sited, <laughs> seated on the beach at this point. Every everyone is just staring at me uh, in the water, uh, and uh, and then you know I I come walking back in, and I you know basically that's my life uh, every day. See, I'm
7: laughing it. because I know mid forties Clay, and this is hilarious. But as a mom of like an 11 year old boys, my heart it. breaks for uh,
6: my, yeah. like little. I think Clay about because- it now, <laughs> like
3: my thirteen year old son. If this happened to him now, like I don't think he would go outdoors for like two months. Right. And then, you know, meanwhile, I just got to walk up on the beach and, you know, start talking to everybody like (laughs) as if as if nothing happened, you know, like uh, even though everybody's just uh, absolutely. Yeah. So So I've got two shark stories. Those are both of them.
7: So based on the T-shirt that you were wearing, you'll love this. So my kids are in fifth grade, right? My son comes home the other day, and he says to me, Mom, uh, there are some b- bad words written on the bathroom wall in, in school. And-, and so they're in public school this year. So, yeah. you know, public school, it's, uh, you know, it's different than their Catholic school than they were yes. at for many years. And I go, okay, well, what did they say? And, and he goes, well, it says, I love hot moms.
0: <laughs> I don't know. hey hey You're i was
3: like decide. that makes that is that is a lot of there's a lot of people that would agree with him i've heard that that's even popular on the internet
7: I'm like, what do they love about the hot moms? That they drive them to school? Like, <laughs> fifth
0: grade.
7: <laughs> I couldn't. I just thought it was the funniest. Like, I love hot moms. And, and they said they said to me, they go, Mommy, I think I know who it is. And I go, well, who do you like that wrote it? And I go, why? And they go, well, so-and-so on the first day of school wore a shirt to school that said, I love hot moms. <laughs> and I said, well, I would think that that would be him. But who lets their son in fifth grade wear a shirt that <laughs> That's says, amazing I love hot moms? And at least it didn't so say "I amazing. love
3: milfs." Uh, I don't know what would happen oh, then. I, I think I can so say amazing. that. I, I, there are enough people don't know what that means, uh, and/or but uh, uh, that um, is really, really uh, hysterical. Yeah. All right, we need to bring you back because I ended up talking shark okay. stories uh, in advance of the trip totally to Florida. Fine. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis.
4: Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You know what's interesting uh, we're running through? I was thinking about how funny it was that I mooned the whole beach, but I don't know if kids still do this. When we were kids, did you ever get in the back of a car and moon other cars, Shannon?
7: Uh, that You know, it's so funny. We were, we were talking about this last night with my kids. I don't know why we had this conversation, but I... I I, pr- I probably I don't remember we definitely did, did knowing what kind of kid I was growing up and how funny things like that were back then I probably did at some point so I, probably I don't did.
3: think I don't think kids dub have you ever heard of like you know fourth fifth grade kids sixth grade whatever it is pre pre-adolescent was what the age I'm thinking of yeah. mooning kids like did your generation do you remember that ever happening
1: uh, not well. A lot of uh, me and my buddies, we would just pants each other,
3: like just yeah, right. Yeah. Pull our pants yeah. down. But that's a, that's, that's an, more an classic. That's more of an adult thing, right? I right. mean, like more of a teenage thing, I should say. Like, yeah. like that is one of the great, like <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I can still Hi. think of some of the funniest times when guys totally. have gotten there. I remember poor kid. I, I, I now you might get charged with assault <laughs> for doing this, but that's I, what I was
7: going to say. People are. Gonna I remember
3: a now. eighth grade assembly where a a kid was up in front of the whole school and we called it I think shanking like if you pulled somebody's pants down like you would shank them and you know a lot of people would wear like athletic shorts or whatever else so you weren't it wasn't like you had like a tight belt on although after that people started doing it and you know you would really get somebody you would really get somebody and I just remember that kid Getting shanked in front of the whole school, and I remember it happening a lot. You know that, and the other one was you would get on all fours behind somebody and try to push them over. You know, like uh, I don't uh, even know what that's I called, uh, but yeah, back in the day, you know, like fourth, fifth grade. First of all, our generation was like the last generation that did super like unsafe things. Like if somebody had a station wagon, kids were just running around in the back of the station wagon, right? Like you were not actually buckled. I remember
7: like I remember nothing. I
3: remember like going on family vacation where my parents we had a station wagon they would put down the entire back seat and just let us play like, the idea that we would have been buckled was crazy. You know, like, you could flip down the uh, the, the car seat, and so you mm-hmm. could, like, go all the way to the back of the car, like, you know, wave at people behind you, moon them sometimes when you were with other, uh, other kids. Oh, yeah. And also, riding in the back of pickup trucks, like, we used to oh. do that all the time. Like, whole Little League teams would be, like, in the back of a pickup truck on the interstate. I think you would get arrested. Like, if I had... I don't have a pickup truck now, but if I like I'm a little league coach and our season's over because we're not very good. But if I put like seven little league kids in the back of a pickup truck now and drove them on the interstate, I, I really think I might get arrested. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw that.
7: When I was like 14, 15 years old, so this was like, I tell people, like, I, I know my kids are going to survive because, like, this is the stuff that I did. We would load in the back of one of these, like, they were called, like, local minis, which were, like, um, like a truck club in, in Florida where they had, like, the neon underneath their truck. And oh, the truck oh was that lowered. was vintage. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The low yeah, rider, like, it, like, with the, bra- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They couldn't even pull into some of my friends' neighborhoods because of the speed bumps in the neighborhood. They had to drop us off outside the neighborhood, and then we would have to walk in. But we would be in the back of those trucks, you know, drinking beer, going down to the Fort Lauderdale Strip, just on on I-95. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, a bunch of girls in the back of this truck and, and just scru- cruise the strip all night long at, like, 14 or 15 years old. That was that was my life. And, of course, like, there was no um, no cell phones or anything like that. So you tell your parents you were sleeping at your friend's house and they had no idea where you were. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, my, my kids are going to survive. And by the way, my husband coached uh, soccer this year, and I think that they were 0 for 10. Oh, so wow. Yeah, and he actually bribed them. Here, here's a. He told all of them, "Hey, if we win our last game, I'll take you all to like, actually like a really nice restaurant." I was like, "Jared, like you couldn't say like ice cream or like like snow cones. <laughs> like you're telling them you're going to take them to like Christopher's. You know what I'm saying?" And yeah. I remember walking up for the last game, and there was this little kid. He's like. I'm just here for the food. I mean, I want to win, too, but I'm here for the food. And they didn't win, thank God, because I I found myself during the entire game hoping that they lost so that we didn't have to go, like, take – this whole group of kids and their parents. And I heard parents on the sideline going, yeah, the coach said that they were going to take them to dinner after this if they won the game. And I was like, oh, my
3: God, this is just
7: great. My husband's like, I just wanted to win a game.
3: Yeah, we got outscored the final five games. The final tally was 55-7, to which is like a really bad football game, uh, except it was very slow-moving in baseball, and it's hard to give up 55 runs in baseball. What do you think, by the way, uh, what do you think about Tebow?
7: So I think I text you when all this went down. I think it's really interesting that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the least um, sort of uh, the person on that team that we're watching when you would think that he would be between Urban Meyer and now Tim Tebow. Yeah. All the attention is going to be on those two, especially Tebow. Uh, I, I've worked with Tebow before when I was at ESPN and the SEC Network. I, I First time I met him, I was like, I get it. I get it, right? I get why people want to be around him. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And then when you work with him, he's, he's great to work with. He's a Super nice genuine, guy.
3: Super genuine, right? Like, I mean, right. people seem to hate and want him to be fake and artificial, but he seems totally authentic to me, whether you agree or disagree with his life perspectives. And by the way, I don't think that his life perspectives are bad, right? I mean, regardless of what right. religious faith you are. Uh, but uh, he seems There's the exact person that you would expect that he would be.
7: There's a lot that comes with that, though. When you work with him, it's very distracting. You could be in a hotel lobby having a meeting. You could be, you know, standing there at a a, at a rental car yeah, everybody wants a piece of him, and, and when you're trying to work and you're in that environment, it's very distracting, so I can understand how, Just and, and that was only one time that I that I worked with him. I worked um, a bowl game with him, and uh, but I had been in his space before, right, um, just being at the SEC Network. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, and, and it takes the entire team to kind of understand that. It will be interesting to see, I mean, does Trevor want that attention? Because it's not going to be on him. It's going to be on Tebow. That's what everyone's going to be talking about. It's just how it is. It'll Always has been with Tim Tebow. Uh, could be good for Trevor Lawrence as he, you know, starts his rookie campaign. All, some of that attention will be taken off of him, um, but it's going to be an interesting dynamic shift for sure.
3: Tell me about the auction that you're doing.
7: Yeah, so it's going to be ten day auction, and I've done it a couple of years. I, I raised thirty grand uh, a couple of years ago. That's how I got my bid to Kona. I'm racing Kona this year, which is the World Championships for the Ironman. It's in October. I put that's this awesome. auction on hold. Thank you. I put this auction on hold last year because of COVID and raised money for COVID nineteen. But I'm doing it again this year on a much smaller version. I have about fifteen items. I have um, a couple of signed footballs. Jonathan Vilma signed one. Um, Chris Spielman signed one. I've got a Larry Fitzgerald jersey that signed that's signed. That on there. That's in sort of our world. I've got a couple of NASCAR uh, things that are signed, and, uh, and a couple of my things, uh, racing kits, racing jerseys, and it's all all 100% goes to the Iron Man Foundation. I've raised close to $75,000 for this foundation over the past like four or five years, so it's very much a part of, uh, of who I am and what I do uh, with triathlon and tri- in the triathlon community. So it's on eBay. Um, you can go to my social media page, and, and there's, there's tons of links to it. It's a 10-day auction, like I said, and 100% goes to the Iron Man Foundation. Foundation. So um, I enjoy doing this every year. It's a ton of work, uh, but it's uh, it really feels it's, it feels good to give back.
3: Tag me in it, and I'll retweet it so people sure can will. find it. I'm sure they can find it on your page at Shannon Spake on Twitter and other places yeah. as well. But if you tag me, I'll retweet it for people who follow Thanks, me, Clay. and they will uh, they will see it for sure.
7: Thanks, Clay. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a it's cone is going to be a big venture. I've started training already. I have a, a half a 70.3 half Ironman in July up in upstate New York, and then Kona um, in Hawaii in October. So it's a 2.6-mile swim, 112-mile bike, followed by a 26.2-mile run. So that'll be my big one in October.
3: Outstanding stuff as always. She is Shannon Spake. I am Clay Travis. We come back top of the third hour. We'll talk about the NBA last night as well as Grizz Warriors. That's next. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio.